What's up? How's everybody doing? Huh? Really? I thought y'all be a little bit jacked up this morning because I was, I was look, maybe I, I wasn't watching y'all though, so I'll try it again. How's everybody doing? All right, that's good. That's good. That's good. A couple people are excited. I know it's still early for some of y'all, but I've been all jacked up on Kool-Aid this morning, so I guess red dye gets me going because like little Brian. So anyway, uh, I wanted to tell y'all something. We're, we're starting a family series today and y'all could see that, but I want to share something that we, we heard the other day that I thought was so good, and it ties into the end. And the reason I want to share it right now is because we just got done with worship. And so y'all see, I don't know if, if anyone watches me. I hope y'all watch the screen or them, and you're not watching me, because I'm not worried about y'all when I'm worshiping. I'm worried about Jesus. And so I hope y'all get that. But I'm really big, and so I can see how my antics might be seen by y'all. So I, this is what, why I wanted to say that. Like, I could see out of the corner of my eye, um, Nate and Shelley. And I could see Justin, I think, out of the corner of my eye. And I could see them raising their hands. So y'all might be too. But I want to tell y'all why we do that. Because some people are kind of weirded out by that, right? If you grew up in traditional church like I did, you're kind of weirded out. And you're not going to raise your hand. And we heard this the other day, and it ties in perfectly with my message today, especially at the end. So I'll put a bow on it at the end, and you'll understand. But this is what I saw. So, like, when, when my son, who's almost two, when he hurts himself... Um, he wants his mama all the time, but when he hurts himself, it's funny because he wants daddy. And this is how he, he wants daddy. He comes up like this, right? And he, and he wants me. He wants me to get him. And he doesn't just want me to get him with his arms beside him saying, Daddy, rescue me. I'm hurting. Y'all know what I'm talking about? He says, Daddy, I need you. And he raises his arms up. You don't have to be a dad to understand this because you've been a son or a daughter. Or you've had a little kid come up to you and want you to hold them. And if you've never experienced that, like if you've never experienced needing God, or he overwhelms and satisfies your soul. Like if, if you don't understand what it really is like to, to desire God, then that's what we hope for you today. And for every person that calls yourself a Christian, that's why we do it. We don't do it so that you see me raising my hands or because I'm Pentecostal, because I'm not fully Pentecostal yet. I'm Baptocostal still. But like I'm just a mutt now and I'm everything. But you know what? I want to be known for Jesus. But when I sing about Jesus and sing some of these songs, the reason that we raise our hands, and if you never do, it's fine. Like, this is not a place where you have to or you leave. But I want you to understand why we do. Because I seriously feel like a lot of times, this week being no exception, that I need Jesus to rescue me and my Heavenly Father. And when my babies come up to me, I pick them up and love on them. And some of y'all have done the same thing for my baby. So think how much more our Heavenly Father does that. So just a quick note, this is not part of the message. But if you want to know why we raise our hands, it's not so that we're cool. Or it's not so that we bring the emotion, right? Because I hate that. But it's because truly, genuinely, we worship a Father that loves us. And so I want to invite you to do the same. And I will tie that in, I promise, at the end. And hopefully it'll make sense. So today uh, we're starting a sermon series called Desperate House Lives. This will affect everybody, I promise. Every single person here, if you're a teenager, if you're a teenager, you're not quite a teenager yet, but you're going to be in the student ministry. Or, or if you're 80, you're like, how does this affect me? I promise you for every person. Because today's like an overview. Today's an overview. And we're going to discuss every single person. So that there's, not, there's not one of you that are left out. But next week I'm telling you, let me just say this as a little preface. That, do not, this is a shameless plug, do not miss next week. It's the question that changes everything. If you're here today and you miss next week, I'm telling you, you'll regret it. It is, the, it is the question in your life. If you are single and have very little family, it doesn't matter. It, it is the question in your life that can change everything. 
It can change everything. And it is huge. And please don't miss it. And then the next two weeks are on men and women. And if you think you've got the answer, dudes, to women, (laughs) we need to talk afterwards because you are lying and something is wrong with you. And ladies, if you think you understand us, we are aliens and we are crazy and we're just as moody as y'all are, especially when the full moon's out. And so I'm going to explain all that in two weeks. So because I still don't understand it completely, but we're crazy too. So we want you guys to come. There's something for everybody every week. So make sure that you come. But today specifically is about family. It's about us. Every person in here is something, right? Like even if, even if you're a foster child right now and, and you're 13 years old, you still have some kind of family. And, and so this is the difficult thing, right? Is, is some of you guys have awesome families. Some of you guys can't wait to spend time with your families. And some of you guys like me, you love your family. You, I, I, have, I seriously have the best wife in the whole world. She is, she's an amazing woman. Then I have two really cool kids. But I, just being honest, y'all, this week, there's been a couple times this week that I've looked at my kids and I've gone, oh my gosh, what is wrong with you, right? And I've looked at this sermon series going, is this serious? Like, does this have to happen this week? So I have to tell the stories that are going on because it's desperate, right? We look and we go, oh gosh, I've worked so hard all day. Why can't you leave me alone? Because this happens to me every single day, y'all, every day. Like, I love all my kids. We spend a little time we can play. And we eat supper. And I just want to sit down. Please leave me alone. And they never want to be with me after I walk in the door until I sit down and I got the remote and I'm ready to watch TV. And both of them. And I've got the recliner, right? So Haston climbs up on the recliner. So he's standing up there and he's going, Daddy. Daddy. And I'm looking at him. It's okay. And then he needs me. Y'all know what I'm talking about if you're a dude. And I'm like, so what are you doing? Right? And then Laney sees Haston get up. So Laney gets up and they're right they, because I don't like close talkers. So if y'all close talking, I do like this. Just stop close talking because it's weird. So Hasten, like, he close talks and he gets up in my face and then Laney does it. And I'm like, I just look at Lee and go, what's up? I'm looking at you now. What's up with that? Right? But then I put Hasten down. I-, I swear I'm about to turn into a Florida State fan. I'm already a Clemson, or excuse me, I'm already, that was Freudian slip. <laughs> I'm looking in the camera. Hey, State, I will be this week. I will be this week on Friday. I'm pulling for goose. But anyway. That's beside the point, beside the point. I'm not a Clemson fan. I'm already a Braves fan is what I was going to say. But you would swear in my house that we're becoming Florida State fans because this is what you hear constantly. Hey, we have a pile of toys in the corner. Some of y'all came to our house for the volunteer appreciation. Where the tree was, it's like, I mean, it's just like Mount Everest. Pile of toys. Pile of toys. Tons of fun stuff, right? What does my son do? He goes the opposite direction and he gets into stuff. There are locks on every one of the cabinets i just want to go crazy every one of the cabinets he finds a way he shakes them till he gets off and then the pans come out come out come out and i said no 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 and that's why we're becoming florida state fans i just want to lose my mind like he's gonna swear he's like we like south carolina i thought we liked florida state all i ever heard you say was no right and if you don't have a son because my daughter wasn't that way Maybe you shouldn't have a son. I'm just saying, that, that was, I love my kids. They're awesome. But family's hard, right? And if you're just married, if you're just married right now, no kids. Awesome, by the way. <laughs> it's hard, right? Because the hardest time of my marriage is not right now, but my first year. It was the hardest time we ever experienced. I explained it some last week. That's all you're getting out of that one, okay? We're not going to talk about it again. But it was hard, and, and if you're single, if you're single right now, if you're single right now, it's hard because there's temptations involved and you've got to deal with your parents, right? 
Because your parents, they don't understand what you're going through right now. They've never been through this kind of stuff, and it's hard, right? And so, and so family is hard. And there's one thing that we all have in common. There's one thing. Every single person in here, every single person, no matter who you are, the, the family of origin that you came from, you had no choice about. That's the one thing that we all have in common that, that is a fact. The family of origin in which you came from, we had no choice about. And were y'all like me when you were growing up? I think everybody was, so I'm not even going to ask that question. Everybody can remember back to, like, let's say we were 8th grade or ninth grade, and there was that one family that you wish you belonged to. And it's everybody. It doesn't matter. Like, I know for a fact a lot of people wish they were in my family growing up. But you know your family, right? Like, you know what happens in your family. So there's that one family that you wish you were involved in because their parents let them do whatever they want to do. Y'all remember? Y'all remember? Everybody. Everybody had this. And, 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 or, or they let them stay out late, or they gave them money, because every time I went out, <laughs> where is he? Let me find my pops. Every time I went out, pops, give me, give me a hundred dollars. <laughs> Who are you talking to, right? Right? So are you crazy? Come on for real, man. I'm working. Get, whatever. And then you had the dads that would make it rain, and you were like, come on, man. That's the dad I want, right? Everybody was that way at some point in time. Why? Family's hard. Family's hard. And when we look, when we look, Throughout the Bible, we look throughout the Bible, we're like, I'm going to find some families that had it all together. I'm going to find some families that had it all together. Because that way we can put them on the screen, we can make this an easy sermon series, we can say, check out, check out this family, because it was easy, right? Check out this family, because they did it right. This is what we find out. There's not any, zero good examples in the Bible. Zero. I'm talking New Testament and Old Testament. None. Let's go back to the beginning, very beginning. Let's start, let's start where it started. Adam. Adam was alone. God felt sorry for him. He says, it's not good for you to be alone. I'm going to give you Eve. Obviously, Adam was excited. He had Eve to hang out with. I don't even think it was sexually excited. I think he was just happy to have somebody. That was before he understood everything, right, when sin came into the world. And this is what happened. Eve took the apple when the serpent came to him. And this is huge. I want everybody to listen to this. Everybody listen to this. Because this is big, because your husband is battling with this right now. Eve offered Adam, Eve offered Adam the fruit that she took that was wrong. And that day, man, who was in charge, right? Man chose woman over God. That day, man chose woman over God. Guess what? We've been doing that since the beginning of creation. That's what men have been doing. Men this week sat at their computers this week and you chose woman over God. Why? Because that's what we do. We're sinful. Since the beginning of time, men have been doing that. And that was obviously screwed up, right? And then, oh, by the way, then they had kids, and that went really well. The first homicide, right? Cain and Abel are out. They're giving their sacrifices. One of them had a good one, Abel. One of them had a bad one, Cain. Cain was like, screw you. Kills him. Probably wasn't with a gun, because I don't think there were guns then. But he killed him, right? So that's a great start. Great start to families. So maybe we should all be like them. I'll choose my, my wife, Leah, over God, and then one of my kids can kill the other one. Seems, seems right. Seems awesome. So we're done. Good job. Good job, guys. And then, and then you go through the Old Testament, and it's constant like that. Like, like the first ever civil war in Israel, David and his son. Probably a good thing to follow. We should probably start a civil war. And it's constant, constant, one after another. And it's frustrating because we look and go, okay, then, then what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do with families? If there's no good places to follow, if there's no good things to watch, then what are we supposed to do with families? Because it really is desperate, right? 
Like I'm looking going, right, give me some instructions. And, and this is what I want everybody to listen right here because I'm about to get into the scripture. Here's where we all struggle because this is the question that we have to answer. Will I choose to say life is hard? Life is hard. So ideally speaking, this is impossible. What God has asked me to do is impossible. So I'm just going to do my thing. I'm just going to do my thing because, listen, the truth is everybody else is kind of doing it this way, right? Everybody else is kind of struggling, going through the motions. So I'm just going to do real life because the ideal thing doesn't seem like it's possible to hit. Everyone in here battles with this, whether you'll admit it or not. Real or ideal. Real or ideal. See, Jesus puts out something. I'm going to give you in a minute. And then Paul takes it a step further. Paul takes it a step further. And that's what we're going to read in just a second. But every person in here has a balance, a battle to create. If you're a teenager in here, this is the battle. This is the battle. You ready? Will I have sex before I'm married? Will I have sex before I'm married? So, well, everybody else is having sex before they're married. Well, Jesus called us to be abstinent. He says, if I look at a woman in lust, I've committed adultery in my heart. That's impossible. I understand that. Will I choose to be, will I choose to be real and say, you know what, I'm just going to do it because that's, it's impossible for me to live up to. So I'm just going to be the real life and I'm just going to have sex with anybody I want to, right? Because real, real speaking, it's hard to do that. Or, or will I say, my goal is to shoot for the ideal. My goal is to shoot for the ideal because that's what God called me to do. God called me to be more than conquerors. God called me to be greater than I am today. God called me for this, to be pure in heart, to be pure in mind, and with my body to be pure. So a teenager, this fits you. For your spouse, this fits you. For a husband, for a father, for a wife, for a mother, for just a son that is 40 years old, this fits you perfectly. We have to decide right now what I'm about to read. Will I choose to be real and say, you know what? I'm choosing the real because real life says... I should adapt to my surroundings. I should accept these other things. The fact that God made marriage between a man and a woman, and that is the way he created it. I'm not cool with that. That's not what society says today. So I'm going with the real. I'm not going with the ideal. Every society in the history of America, excuse me, in the history of the world, every society, back from our existence and beginning, but period, that is then, that is followed Jesus. Listen carefully. That is followed Jesus. And then said, you know what? That, that thing was cool, but I'm going to go this way. Every society that turns away from it eventually leads to destruction. Every society eventually leads to destruction. And I'm going to tell you what else it leads to in just a second. So if you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to Colossians chapter 3? Colossians chapter 3. And this isn't real deep, but it's ideal because it's what happened in God's Word. And, and here's what happened, okay? I'm just going to, this is just going to be real quick. Jesus comes and he says, let the little children come to me. And, and we read it and we're like, that's so sweet, right? That's so sweet. I love when that Jesus said that. But that was so weird to them because children didn't even get names typically till after they were my kid's age. till they were older because the infant mortality rate was so great. And kids were just property, especially if you were a little girl. You were worthless. They almost didn't want you. I'm talking about Bible times. I'm not talking about non-biblical people. I'm talking about the people that you've read about. They felt this way about their kids. They didn't name them right away. And they dang sure didn't want to talk to their kids. They doggone sure didn't name them. And they didn't let the kids come to an important rabbi like Jesus. That everyone wanted to come to. Why in the world would he say that? Why would he elevate kids like that? 
And then women. Women. When we read the Bible, especially in Paul's letters, what you read is you're like, that's so old-fashioned. It's sweet that he wants me to, to submit to my husband and all, but life's different now. But you have to understand. You have to understand. This was breakthrough. This was unbelievable in Paul's day. This, this is crazy. Because women were just a little bit above cattle. Just a little bit above cattle. Y'all, y'all were owned by your husbands. You didn't have a choice. And so you were property. And so what Paul said was completely, completely revolutionary. When we hear it today, we're like, it's a little weird, right? Paul didn't say women should be able to vote. Paul didn't say women should be allowed to be president, which we all agree that that should happen, right? So why didn't he go that far? What Paul said had no ability to gain traction. Like there was no, there was not a group of people on the side going, yes, Paul, we're for you. He was it. In the entire Mediterranean realm, in the, in the entire rim that he was going around and saying these things to, everybody was like, what's this dude thinking, right? I couldn't even come up with a good idea of what would be something that I could say that would be similar to that. Because it, it was way far out there. And so when Paul says this, it's not just like, duh, right? It was, it was mind-boggling. It was changing. And this is what he said. Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 to 21. Wives, submit to your husbands. As fitting, as, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. That was critical. Do not be harsh with them because they could say whatever they wanted to and have no repercussions. Whatever they wanted to. They could divorce for any reason under the sun. Peace out. It doesn't matter. Wives, you couldn't divorce for any reason under the sun. If they punched you in the face, if they were nasty to you and they cheated on you, you had to stay with them. So when Paul said, don't be harsh to him, it's like, duh, obviously you shouldn't be harsh to him. But this was huge. Why shouldn't I be mean to my wife? She's my property. No, no, she's not. She's God's gift to you. It was breakthrough. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And so that's very simple, right? Children, everybody in here is a child of somebody. Obey your parents. I don't think that stops, by the way. When you, when you get your own household, it does say that, that two become one and, and I leave my father and mother. But, but I still should have respect for my parents, right? And if they ask me something, I still think that, that I should obey my parents unless it's something about my family and that I strongly believe the Lord doesn't want me to do. But I still think there's a respect and obedience level there. Especially when you're in their household. And so if you're sitting in your parents' household, and there's, there's teenagers in here right now or young people, if you are in your parents' household right now and you're rebelling, you are rebelling against God Almighty. That is wrong. That is absolutely wrong. Clearly right here, you are told, children, obey your parents. And listen, the reason this works so good is because when you were at this time, if you would have grown up, because a lot of times we say, I wish I would have grown up in Jesus' day. If you would have and you would have been a teenager, especially a teenage girl, your property. You're nothing. I'm going to choose for you, Lainey, eventually, honey, who you're going to marry that benefits me. But you don't get a choice in the matter because you're just a girl. Right? It's mind-boggling. Like today it seems so foreign, so out there. And this seems so ideal, doesn't it? Well, that's the, that's the perfect family. The Cleavers are coming in and, and she's got her apron on because he worked all day and they worked so hard. And so he makes just enough money to be able to do it. And the kids all stay at home and it's all perfect. And that's not how our lives are. And so this is the tension that we've got. The tension that we've got is, can I really live up to this? Can I really live up to this? Because my life doesn't look like this. It's hard. One thing I wanted to throw in, fathers. We've got several. 
I'm looking at you. We got several fathers in here, and y'all know this is true, but when I say it, you'll know it even more, right? Some of you will be dads someday, so I hope you'll take this to heart. Leah can say something to my kids. Leah can say something to my kids. This is what the last verse means. Leah can say something to my kids, and kids, go clean your room. If you don't, I'm going to spank your bottom. Right? Simple. I can say, kids, go clean your room. If you don't, I'm going to spank your bottom. I can think that it's the same tone. I can think that it's the same way. Her words hold about 10 pounds to 100 pounds. My my words hold a ton. Because whether your kids respect you or not, your words mean so much. And by the way, I didn't do a daddy-daughter date yesterday for y'all to think that I'm awesome. I did it because I want my daughter to love her daddy and ultimately her heavenly father and keep herself till she's married because she feels love from a daddy before she feels love from another man because she's going to feel it from somebody. And if your daughter's having sex outside of marriage and you haven't spent time with her, I put 90% of it on you. 90% of it on you. Because you didn't love your daughters. Because your love has weight. And your words have weight. And we get to decide which one we're going to do. So if we don't spend quality time with our boys and teach them what it's like to be a man, and they're not good to their wives someday, it's your fault. It's not their fault. Ultimately, we make our own decisions. And under grace, we should change. But it's my fault if my kids turn out to be awful, awful individuals outside of, obviously people make their own decisions, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But if I never spend time with them, I'm like, what went wrong? It's my fault. It's my fault. And you're like, dude, if you understood how hard my life is and all the things that I deal with, I'm a single mom that has all these things going on, so what do you expect me to do? What do you expect me to do? I'm glad you asked that because the, uh, the ideal seems so difficult. So this is what I want you to picture, okay? So, so Jesus came, Jesus came, and um, there was the law, and everybody beats on Jesus the whole time. There's the law, there's the law, there's the law. And then Jesus comes and says, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it, right? And they're, and they're pulling as far as you can pull apart the grace that he offers us, his riches, that he offers us, the, remember last week, to become his righteousness. Where he, when he looks at me, he sees Christ in me and he doesn't see my junk. That, that's what I get to do when I, get, when I belong to Jesus and so I have his grace. But at the same time, I have his law and they pull against each other. And it seems like there's no way the real and the ideal can coexist, right? There's no way. This doesn't seem possible and it does. If you, if you ask me to completely explain it, I can't. All I know is that Jesus came to die for me and that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see and I've put my faith in him. And so will I possibly meet up to this standard of perfect family that he's called me to be? No, there's no possible way. I'm going to screw up. I'm going to say things that are harsh like this. This is the four things that, that we're really called to do as husbands. And I really could just end it right here, but I'm not going to. As husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Wives, submit to your husbands. Children, obey your parents, and fathers, don't irritate your kids. And that ultimately could be what we end with. Is that any way possible that I do that? And the answer is no. And so I really think like the Pharisees were coming to Jesus and they were like, okay, we're, we're kind of confused, so help us understand what you're talking about. We're a little bit, we're going to try to catch you. Listen to what Matthew 19 verses 3 through 8 says. It says, and the Pharisees came to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And it obviously was. In Moses' law, it obviously was. And this is what he said. He answered them and said, Have you not read 
that he who created them from the beginning, this is critical, from the beginning, made them male and female and said to them, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. This is in Genesis. He takes them back to the beginning. He skips Moses' law and goes back even further than that. Why? Because he didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it. He came to make it even stronger and better. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one. Therefore, God, what, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Y'all have heard that in weddings over and over, right? This passage. Well, Jesus is just referring to Genesis. And he said, they said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and send her away? And he said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wife. But from the beginning, it was not so. It wasn't this way. This wasn't God's, God's intent. God intended for you to leave your father and mother, to separate from the junk of life and come one flesh. So listen to me very carefully. Don't, don't let me lose you. Pastor Mark, I'm divorced. Right? I know that's a lot of you. I know that's a lot of you. So what do I do? Here's what's so awesome about God. Like, I really think, I really think if the Pharisees would have been wise enough to just go up to him and say, yeah, but God, what about them? Because he divorced his wife for no reason. Because she couldn't divorce him for anything and he could divorce her for anything and he treated her like trash. And today, right, we can, we can both divorce each other. And many of us have. The Christian, that's what we call ourselves, Christ followers, divorce rate is 50%. So what about them? What about them? Are they just done because they messed up the, the, the ideal family that you created? And this is what I really believe he would say if he was standing here or if he could have talked to the Pharisees is, nope, nope, I die. I'm just going to go die for him, right? Because he wasn't dead yet. I, I, they're why I came. They're why I came. I'm going to die for them. And if they remarry, then I'll look at their new marriage as my righteousness and they'll be clean and cleansed. Because I'm going to be honest with you. This is free. I wasn't planning on saying this. I've known a lot of people that have sort of been the ideal family. Sort of been the ideal family. They've never messed up. They had not cheated on each other. they they got good kids and they, they wear all their nice clothes and they look the part. And I don't really want to be around them because <laughs> they'll tell you how good their family is, right? And I've known a lot of divorced people that God is using in a mighty way. Why? Because he died for him. Because Jesus came and died for him. And it's incredible. And so no matter how bad we messed up our families, listen, no matter how bad our families have been messed up, there is hope for every family in this room. And I should say every individual. There's hope for everyone. There's hope for everyone. This is the question you have to answer. Will I choose the real family? Because society tells me that I shouldn't just believe that marriage was intended to be a man and a woman, even though that's what, that's what God said. That, that's not what I should think anymore because it's too hard and that's old law stuff, right? No, that's what Jesus said. That's what Paul said. Specifically, he took it a step further. And he honored women. He lifted y'all up. He raised you to another level that I believe we should elevate even today. But the minute that we choose and say, you know what, that's fine, that's awesome, Pastor Mark, but a lot of those things, like it's hyperbole, and, and I, don't, I don't know if I should go along with what the Bible's saying here. I've got to go with society and what it's saying. At the moment that we do that, we should just close up shop and throw it away. 
Because we cannot do that. Because the family, there's so many different pictures of family today, right? But the family that God wants you is the ideal family. And it's something that we have to strive for every day. And here's how it happens, okay? Here's how it happens. And it's hard to understand sometimes. And it is impossible to really do. It's impossible to really do. But with grace, right? This is what, this is the words of Jesus. With grace, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. That's exactly what he said. And this is how it can happen. And this goes back to me saying that the reason that we raise our hands is because when my kids are hurting, my kids are needy, my kids want something, they come to me like that. I've never met a person in my life that I've known a lot of people. Never met a person in my life that's been divorced that have said the following. I hope my kids get a divorce so they know how it feels. Have y'all? Ever? Right? What about you? Some of y'all are. Would you ever say that? That's the ideal situation for your kids, right? Because you know how hard it was to go through and you want better for yours. Well, how much more... Does God want that for you than you want for your kids? How much more? And this is how I think it's best described. John is my favorite book in the Bible. I've told you all that many times because I think it's so simple for a new believer to understand who Jesus is. And yet so profound when you really read it and dig into it. And at the end of John, chapter 21 kind of sits on its own. But the very end of chapter 20, verse 31 says, These are written that you might believe in the Christ and by believing, you may have life in his name. So he wrote all the book of John so that you believe. And in the first chapter, in the first chapter, this is what he says. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you don't feel loved by anyone on the planet, if you don't feel like a son or a daughter who is loved, there is one that loves you, I promise you. And this is what it says. But to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God to all who receive him to those who believe in his name he gave the right to become children of God I am God's child not because of what I've done not because of the family that I'm in but because I received him and I believed in his name whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved is what Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead you will be saved and by doing that, I've been given the right to be called his child. Listen, who were born not out of blood, nor out of the will, but of the flesh. Not what I've done or my decisions, nor my will of, my, of man. But I was born of God. I was born of God. And at that moment, at that moment, at that moment when I realized that I'm empty and I'm alone, and I haven't matched up to the ideal parent or the ideal son or the ideal daughter. And I'm upset. How do I get there, Pastor Mark? This is it. This is it. I look up and I say, I have a father who loves me enough, by the way, to send his son. That's crazy, right? It's crazy. It's amazing. Enough to send his son to die the worst death that's ever been given so that I could be given the right to be his child, adopted into his family, 
know, so many times I hear people say, I don't feel welcomed. I have a very small family. I don't, I don't have family use. I don't, I don't feel welcomed. I don't feel welcomed. I don't feel welcomed. Listen, I, I don't have a brother per se, right? I, we never had a biological. I have twin sisters. I love them. They're awesome. I don't have a brother. And like we, we desire brotherhood. I've had very good friends growing up. I call people my brother. But listen, I have brothers in here, right? I'm adopted in your family. Some of you, I look at you, and I can't imagine having a brother that I would be closer to than I am you. Why? Because I'm in your family. Like, you're my brothers. And I have more sisters. Because we're adopted. Because that day that I trusted Christ, as bad as I've screwed my family up, I raised my arms to Jesus and I said, I need you. It's not a show. It's not a show. It's not a show. It's it's a radical, radical change that happens within me. It's not by my will or by will of man, by what you think about me or what I think about me or what I want to do. It's simply by me giving him everything. That's what that means. So all my screw-ups and failures. What about me, Pastor Mark? I've done this and I've done this. I've been been messed up in this. I've been... (laughs) So, so ideally speaking, I didn't, I didn't add up. Neither did I. Guess what he did for us? He died for us. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. It's crazy. And this is how you respond to that. This is how you respond to that. You forget what everybody else is thinking, right? Because when you're really worshiping, hopefully you're not thinking, I wonder if everybody's looking at me. I've come to that realization. Everybody's looking at me. I don't care. There's one that I care about, and it's God, above all else. And I need to be rescued because of me. I need all of this to become his righteousness, and it cannot happen by me doing good things. It can only happen, it can only happen by me confessing with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in my heart, not just in my mind, but in my heart, giving him everything that God raised him from the dead. And then I confess my sins, and I become your adopted brothers and sisters. That is the offer. Listen, that's why we do church. That's why we do church. Because we have good news. We have good news. It's not hope. It's certainty. I have certainty in the fact that Jesus came and saved me. And you say, how do you know that? There's no way you can prove that. I can prove that with what he's done in me. I cannot prove that with science. I cannot prove that with stats. But I can tell you, no one can take away what Jesus did to me. And no one can take away that I have brothers and sisters that I did not have before. And if your family is a mess, God can rescue it right now. I'm telling you, you can read every book you want to read. But your marriage will not change unless you say, ideally speaking, I want to live for Jesus Christ the best that I can for the rest of my life. Ideally speaking, I want to live for Jesus Christ the best that I can for the rest of my life. Will the real life come to play? Certainly. It's a certainty. But I want to live for Jesus Christ the rest of my life. So I want you to leave here with two things. The first one is an opportunity to trust Christ as Savior. And the second one is a chance to answer this question. Will I choose real or ideal? Will I say, you know what, it's too hard. I'm not going to do it. Or will I say, you know what, ideally speaking, I'm going to live for Jesus the best way I can. I'm not going to cheat on my wife or husband, even with my eyes. If I'm single, I'm going to be abstinent the rest of my life until I'm married because that's the right thing to do and that's what Jesus called me to do. Or you know what? That's too hard. I'm just going to do my own thing. But you will decide in the minute that you choose real, you reject Jesus' plan for your life. Will you pray with me? I'm going to do this quickly. 
with no one looking around. How many of you believe in your heart? How many of you believe in your heart that you've never truly trusted Jesus as Savior and you need to be rescued today? You're the little kid like my Haston that needs to put your arms up and says, God, rescue me. I am not a Christian. I've never trusted him as Savior. I need Jesus to save me from my sins right here, right now. The offer we have for you is to do that right here and right now. If that's any of you, I just want you to slip your hand up and say, Pastor Mark, that's me. Pastor Mark, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to ask you to do something that's kind of hard. I just want you to stand up. we got a volunteer that's right back behind you. We're not going to embarrass you. Everybody's going to keep their eyes closed. But the person or persons that just raised your hand, will you just stand up right where you are and just walk out to the back? We know who you are. Thank you, my friend. Who else? Who else? There's one person that said, I want to be rescued right now. I want to be saved. Will anyone else do that? Will anyone else do that? Hey, look at me. Everybody look at me. We're going to finish right now in worship. One of my very favorite songs. I, I just love it because I feel like it is my testimony. I feel like it's my testimony. I'm not asking y'all to change who you are. I'm not asking you to change who you are personally. I'm asking you to let, because it's not by your will anyway, right? Like John 1 says, I'm asking you to let Jesus radically change who you are and capture you. And a lot of you are Christians, and I believe that in my heart. But when we walk out, we say, I'm going to live the real and not the ideal. The goal is to be just like Christ wants us to be and not what we think we should be. And so in order to do that, I'm telling you, the only chance that I've got this junk that I am is to be seen by Christ as his righteousness. I need him to rescue me. I don't raise my hands for y'all to be impressed. I raise my hands so that Jesus looks at me and says, I got you, buddy. I got you, buddy. Will y'all close and listen to these words and let them sink in and leave here, leave here different than when you came in because you say, you know what? I choose the ideal. Hey, listen, let me remind you next week, game changer. Don't miss it. Y'all stay with us and worship.